welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, Joel Jacob. What's going on, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Like always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. So with that being said, let's meet our guest for today. First, we got Brian. What's up? Then we got Quake. What's up? What's up? I think you know me by now. I think we'll pass it to the next person. And then right after that, Orchard. Hey, what's going on, guys? And then last but not least, the newest member of the Heat vs. the World pod, Anthony. What's good, y'all boys? First losing streak of the season, but we're going to turn it around. We got it. Bet. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. So to start it off, we unfortunately got to talk about this most recent game for the Heat as Miami ended up losing to the Raptors on the road after having a 15-point lead in the second half. It really sucks, to be honest, because I really wanted to focus on Bam having a monster game in which he dropped 32 points and 11 rebounds, which basically I hope that just let all the Bam haters just shut up. But you never know with these people. But aside from that, we unfortunately can't you know, simply focus on that. And because of this L, Miami is now 32 and 20, while currently holding the three seed in the East as this part is being recorded. There's so much to process when talking about this game that I want to see how y'all feel about it. Start us off, Brian. Uh, I mean, I feel like we knew coming in that the Raptors would be a tough matchup, so I'm not really upset that they lost. Like, I'm just happy to see that Bam basically got his and had a really good bounce back game from what was definitely an underwhelming performance versus the Celtics. Uh, I thought that during the game, we saw Bam specifically, uh, you know, he, he had a couple of shots where they were unassisted, where he was like looking for him for for himself and, uh, you know, really having the intent to score. But I think that the thing for me that was most important was that his teammates were hitting him as he was rolling to the basket. You know, if you, if you run actions to get Bam going towards the rim, having guards set screens, you know, being willing, willing to hit him on the high pick and roll, then you will get easy points every single time. So, you know, like we know that the issue as far as the macro for the heat, they've had struggles holding leads against teams. Um, We know that they struggle when they, when they play teams that can switch everything, but Hey, you win some, you lose some. I'm not, like I said, I'm not super mad about it. As long as Bam gets rolling, then I'm good. Right. How about you, Quake? You just got to respect the Raptors, man. Uh, there's a lot of antipathy that exists between our fan base and theirs with uh, the Kyle Lowry free agency and whatnot. But this is a team that is a top 10 player away from being a legitimate contender in the Eastern Conference. And it's due, for, it's due to a, a multitude of reasons. I didn't think that Fred Van Vliet would be uh, this good uh, once Kyle, Low- Kyle Lowry left. I always envisioned him as sort of a secondary playmaker, but he's really showing that he can be the number one uh, ball handler on a, on, a, on a contending team, or not a contending team, but a very good team. 
and um, Gary Trent Jr. is balling out, and they're obviously exceptionally well coached and well managed from the top down. So you just have to give them credit. Now, where Bam is concerned, I think the difference uh, between this game and the last two was in his aggression. Bam's scoring output doesn't concern me so much as uh, his aggression does. His aggression, it comes and it goes. And I think that if, if he has an inefficient game one night, but he's aggressive in that game, I think that's something worth uh, celebrating as opposed to a game where he's efficient and unaggressive. I would take the former over the latter. So I think all we need to see from Bam is a uh, more of a score first mentality uh, as opposed to the pass first mentality that, um, you know, Heat fans often uh, cite and criticize. Right. I agree 100%. And how about you, Orchard? Well, as you were saying before, we had a big lead into the halftime. So, you know, I had my hopes up that we'd win this game. But the Raptors, you know, they're a really solid team. You know, their seeding really doesn't define them. I mean, they can beat pretty much any team in the league. And they beat us twice as the first seed. So it was really impressive. Uh, We struggled a little bit in the second half. Not a little bit, a lot. You know, we had 16 turnovers. And the Raptors were able to score a lot of points off those turnovers our three-point percentage shooting was awful as well. We, had, we were shooting 26%, so we weren't able to get any uh, – we, we weren't able to get our offense going. Defensive stops, that was impossible. We gave up 60 points in the second half. Uh, but, you know, the good thing out of this game was, of course, Bam. You know, he's starting to get his rhythm going. We know Bam can do this, but, you know, he's just coming off a big injury, and it's going to take time for him to get back into his old form, and he's already starting to show that he can do that with how aggressive he's been. Uh, and that, that's pretty much all I have to say. You know, I'm also glad that Hero is slowly starting to get out of, the, out of his slump. I think he was coming up pretty big in the fourth quarter almost, but he's, he's almost there. You know, ever, all the good players have slumps, and Hero's having his right now, and I'm sure he'll get out of it very soon. Right, and you, Anthony? Well, first of all, it's nice to hear a little bit of positivity because after the three-game skid, he Twitter was on fire. Everybody's so mad. They're talking about trade Jimmy, trade Bam, man. So it's nice to hear, you know, y'all boys, some reasonable people. Because if you look at it, every team, every contender has a three-game losing streak at some point in the season. You know, it's not that big a deal. It's a long season. There's ebbs and flows, ups and downs. This is just part of the downs. And it's like people are quick to forget, you know, the winning streak that just came prior to this. But the main thing about the game, I mean, y'all pretty much covered it, is obviously Bam, right? He caught me by surprise, really just with his aggressiveness, like y'all were saying, obviously. But the thing is, is as much as I want to get excited about what Bam showed us, I'm not because we've seen we've seen aggressive Bam before. But the unfortunate part is those games are few and far between. And the reason that makes it frustrating is because with him, it's really just a mindset. We see when he puts his mind to scoring, when he tries to be aggressive, there's not a single player out there that can stop him. You know, nine times out of 10, he's the biggest, strongest, fastest guy in the court. You know, like they always say, he's too big for the small guys to guard him and he's too quick for the big guys to guard him. The way he was able to attack and get to the rim at will, nobody can stop him, which makes it frustrating that he doesn't do that all the time. Now he's young. So we're hoping, you know, it's what his fourth, fifth year in the league. So hopefully that's something he can develop into because that kind of bam just brings this team to another level. Uh, And as far as Tyler, actually, I thought he was bad yesterday until I checked the stats. He actually wasn't too bad. He shot efficient, had five assists, three turnovers. 
the reason why it kind of looked bad to me is because a lot of his turnovers are super, super sloppy. Sometimes he has these nasty, flashy passes like Steph, and other times he's throwing the ball away like KZ. Uh, so it's kind of funny. But obviously, I'm not, you know, I'm not out on Tyler either. It's just he has a lot of really sloppy turnovers that hopefully he can clean up as he gets, you know, older and more experienced. Right. And, you know, before we continue, does anyone else got something they want to add to this? Right. Uh, I'll, I can add something real quickly. Uh, you know, I feel like the other thing to realize, which I think we were just sort of talking about, is the fact that, I mean, the Raptors are going to play a lot tougher against us, against us because we we have their franchise player. You know, their Kyle Lowry was pretty much the heart and soul of that team. And, you know, it's, it doesn't surprise me of how well – I mean, they've been playing really well in general, but, you know, I feel like there is a little bit of a rivalry between both of us because of what's happened in the last, like, offseason. So – it's I'm not upset about these two losses. Uh, I'm just, you know, I think my thing is always that I'm happy that the game was close. Like if we're losing by 15, 20 points, that's when it worried me. Uh, like the Celtics game, that one was a little bit worrisome because of how much we lost. But we were also missing a lot of players in that game. And so that was that that was my uh, thing there. But, you know, with the two Raptors games, we lost by four in both games. So, you know, as long as we're keeping it close, I'm OK with that. Right. I agree. You know, like it's tough because you never want to see a team go on a losing streak at all, especially a team like the Heat that's been playing great. And, you know, right now, like the standings are really tight to be like the one seed and then go on this losing streak to now you're the three seed, maybe the four seed, depending on how Cleveland plays in their upcoming game. No, it's tough, but there's like a specific quote that Bam came out and said where it's like, this is basically the first setback they've had this season. And like, they hope to build character from it. And I couldn't agree with that anymore, you know, like any team. And I'm not saying, I'm not going to go out and just fully guarantee this team winning a championship, but any team that's ever went out and done so, you know, they've faced their trials and tribulations. So you know, if the Heat, you know, obviously, I know I like to be optimistic with it. So if let's say the Heat do end up winning the championship this year. Now, I think this is just another trial that they had to go through. And we we've, we know what this team is capable of doing. We've seen everything they accomplished, even with everyone being out. So I feel like Heat fans just need to take a deep breath and just know what this team is capable of doing when everyone's playing at their very best. Now, with that being said, I want to go into something that was very interesting that people have been talking about, especially from this last game, and that was the amount of playing time that Duncan Robinson received. Despite being a starter that's making $90 million, Coach Spo decided to only play him for almost 15 minutes last night while playing Max Drews for 33 minutes. With all of this being acknowledged, I need to ask you guys, do you think this is something or nothing to be intrigued about? What's your take, Quake? Duncan needs to be traded. Uh, and it's simply for the fact that you can't have somebody who's uh, making uh, five years, $90 million, uh, playing 15 minutes in a, in, you know, in a game. And it... It, it's really only going to be compounded when Victor Oladipo comes back. Because when Victor Oladipo comes back, it's going to put Spo in a position where he has to decide whose minutes are going to be cut. And when you really look 
uh, down the roster, specifically at the guard rotation. You see uh, you have Max Drews, you have Gabe Vincent who can defend, shoot, and move the ball. So he's versatile. Uh, Caleb Martin, uh, Tyler Hero obviously isn't going anywhere. So that may leave Duncan as the odd man out, as surprisingly as as that may seem. Uh, I don't think it's inconceivable to see Duncan getting a DNP when uh, Victor Oladipo returns for the, re- for the simple fact that everybody else who I just named can do more uh, on the basketball court than he can when it comes to being able to dribble and pass as opposed to uh, only being able to, to shoot. So I think uh, it's, it's very complicated. I don't see Duncan being traded this season personally, but um, it's it's something that the minute situation is something that's going to have to be monitored going forward. Right. And you, Brian? I mean, yeah, it's definitely concerning. I mean, I do feel like the Heat have the luxury of having Max Struess as Duncan's backup, so you can kind of ride whoever's, whoever's hot at the moment. But you do see the flaws. When Duncan doesn't have it going, he does nothing else on the court well. Um, and that's a problem. You know, it's a problem to have a guy who is like a specialist specialist. Like he does basically nothing else at an elite NBA level that you can really say like, okay, well, this this other quality is redeemable for him to be on the court. Um, I do think his defense has improved a little bit over the years. And at times he's decent on that end. But again, that is totally dependent on whether or not he's shooting well. Because when he's when he's not, it just seems like he goes from maybe sometimes can keep his head above water to fouling everybody getting blown by and just being a a prime target for whoever's offense, you know, realizes like, Oh, we have 55 going up against us. So that's a free bucket. Um, I think it's definitely something to monitor going forward because you can kind of see that trust in Duncan Robinson starting to wane a little bit with Spo. Um, especially as Max Truce plays well. And he, and to his credit, Max Truce has outplayed Duncan Robinson this whole year. Um, and you don't want that from a guy that you just spent $90 million on. Granted, I think that Duncan's value comes in his large contract. You can use that contract in a bigger move. So I'm not one of those people that's really mad about it. I still believe that Duncan Robinson – you know, even though I, I, I mentioned that you probably don't want a specialist specialist, you want a guy who can, you know, do uh, other things on the court. Um, that contract is going to be very helpful in the future. So I, I, I'm not mad about it. I like Duncan as a, as a player. Like he still, despite his struggles, had two of the most elite shooting seasons in NBA history, um, which is the value. Right. And, hypothetically if he was shooting like he had been over these previous two seasons we probably wouldn't be talking about but he's been so inconsistent that it's it's an issue right and how do you feel anthony all right i am not here not not saying that y'all were but i am not here for the duncan robinson slander i certainly don't want to trade him as far as the whole rotation thing he is kind of starting to shift into the Luke Babbitt role. If y'all remember when Luke Babbitt was here, he basically like played seven minutes to start the game and seven minutes to start the third quarter and then never played again. I mean, that's basically exactly what Duncan did last game. He only played 14 minutes, which is concerning because it might mean Spo is starting to lose trust. 
But just a week ago against the Lakers, Duncan Robinson played almost 42 minutes. So I'm not going to say Spo completely lost trust yet. But to me, people are acting like Duncan Robinson sucks now, right? And I know, uh, I know Brian said if he could shoot the way he did the last two seasons, but I just don't think that's realistic because you could argue his last two seasons were some of the greatest shooting statistics of all time, right? So I don't really think that's that possible to keep up with. And if you look at Duncan this year, he's shooting 36% on eight attempts per game. By no means is that trash. Now I get it. He's inconsistent. And when you have those 0 for 7, 0 for 8 nights, which he's had a few of, that really hurts the team because it almost makes it impossible for you to win. But if you look at the season as a whole on the macro level, 36% on eight attempts is not bad at all. Now for the money he's getting paid relative to that money, I agree. It's not a good contract. But I think that's what it takes to get a shooter in this market. I know if you look at other guys like Joe Harris and Davis Bertans, now those guys are shoot, still shooting slightly higher percentages, but not as high as, as they once were. So I just think as far as the contract, that's what it takes to get a guy like Duncan. Also, I don't think we've seen the best of Duncan Robinson yet. So many people and so many He Nation is just off on him so quick because of what he's done lately. But just within the last couple of weeks, he had games of, you know, seven, eight, nine threes. That's just a week ago. So it's not like he's been bad all year. Uh, and also, like uh, like Brian said, we've seen two amazing seasons of Duncan Robinson and basically so far a half a year of a kind of below average season. So the sample size of Duncan being an all time shooter is much, much bigger than the sample size of him being, you know, kind of bad. So and I know it is more of what what have you done for me lately? And of late, Duncan hasn't been great, but I'm still looking at the sample size overall. So I still believe in Duncan Robinson and I certainly don't want to get rid of him. Not to mention that fit-wise on this team, he's absolutely perfect since obviously Jimmy's a struggling shooter and Bam hasn't quite extended his range yet. And the chemistry between Bam and Duncan, everybody knows how good that is. So, I mean, I certainly don't want to trade Duncan Robinson, especially since, I mean, it's obviously going to be hard to trade for anybody of that significance with that contract without getting rid of Tyler. Uh, and I certainly wouldn't trade Tyler except for maybe one or two guys. But I believe in Duncan Robinson. I still think he's going to turn this season around and come playoff time. I think he's going to be a huge piece of this team because I'm really worried that, you know, people want to get rid of Duncan Robinson and the time's going to come when he can't make a three and people are going to say, man, like, I really wish we could have had Duncan Robinson. We could really use him in this spot. And I love Max Struess. I love what Max Struess is doing, but you know, there's no harm in having two really great shooters. Uh, so I love Duncan. I still want to keep him. I'm on Duncan Island, but it seems like I'm alone at this point, to be honest. Right. And how do you feel, Orchard? You know, I'm kind of in the middle right now. You know, I, I really like Duncan Robinson and we all know that he can put up the we can we know he can put up the numbers. We know that like the biggest problem, of course, is that he's inconsistent. And when he's having his good games, he's putting up crazy numbers like eight threes or nine threes or, you know, he's he's putting up a bunch of points. And then, but obviously the problem is that the next four games, he'll put up zero points or six points. And so, you know, I feel like I really like the idea of him having lesser minutes right now than Struess because it's kind of like what Brian was saying, you know, Duncan, his main thing is shooting threes. Besides that, his defense has gone better in the last year, but it's still not at the level that we needed to. So he becomes a defensive liability. Uh, we know he's not a big rebounder. Uh, so that's just it's just an issue where Struess actually can do the other he can do a little bit of everything and so I, I like the idea of putting him for a little more minutes as I mean as far as trading Duncan I think it's something to look out for 
if he keeps on doing this, like we're not even halfway through the season, you know, I just still, there's obviously a still a big chance that Duncan can turn around his season. Um, and it might just take some time. And I think we have a little bit of time left and I, I'm, 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 I don't want to give up on Duncan. I think there's still a chance and we'll just see what happens. Right. And I know Brian, you got something you want to add. Uh, as far as Duncan Robinson's shooting specifically goes, I think that there's a reason to believe that he can get back to being an elite shooter. Um, and he's definitely improved recently. Like his, his percentages have gone up. Um, but the problem is everything else. You know, it's the fact that, you know, like I mentioned, like he's a target on defense. He doesn't box out. He's not a ball handler. Um, he still hasn't really learned to get the ball back to Bam when I- Ever Bam's at the screen for him. Um, it's sometimes even just the attempts. Like sometimes he'll go 0 for 2 and then not shoot the rest of the game. And at that point, it's, you know, it's like, all right, well, if you're not going to shoot and you're not going to do anything else, then what are you doing? You know, you have to at least get the attempts up, um, even if you're struggling. Uh, otherwise, it, there's no reason for the defense to even consider you. Um it's so many other things on the court that I think Duncan struggles with that becomes a problem. So many other things that he doesn't do. And when you don't have the shooting, then the question becomes like, what are you doing out there? If you, if you're not shooting at that elite level now, again, when he is shooting at that elite level, it can definitely balance out those other issues. And he seems to have more confidence in doing those other little things. Um, But because it's been so inconsistent, you just don't know what you're going to get which I think leads to him, you know, Spo being like, okay, well, we can put in Max Truce, so who can do, honestly, a lot more offensively. Defensively, Max Truce is a catastrophe. But, uh, yeah, I think that that might be the reasoning um, why we might see other guys in that spot. Um, but to go back to the original point about trading Duncan, I think it's going to happen eventually. Like, I don't think that Duncan is going to be on the heat throughout the tenure of his contract because like it just his contract is too big um to not aggregate um you know in a bigger deal but uh yeah i don't i definitely don't want to hate on duncan like he's a, he's a good player very good at his particular skill set but there there are some flaws that i think are worth pointing out and reasonable as to why he's uh not getting the minutes that maybe we would expect him to get going into the season right and how about you quake yeah, I don't want to come across as though I'm hating <laughs> on Duncan. Uh, slant the facts. Facts aren't slander. Uh, the two are, you know, completely irreconcilable from one another. Like I don't. The, what I pointed out before is is something that again the Heat are going to have to deal with the addition of Victor Oladipo into the into the rotation. That creates uh, a dilemma that the Heat haven't had all season. I mean, most of us consider this to be the deepest team that the Heat ever had, if not uh, the deepest team that they've had in a long time. And, but in the playoffs, you can only go but so deep. So the question is, when Oladipo comes back, whose minutes will be cut? And at this rate, I don't think you can cut Gabe Vincent's minutes. He's played too well on both ends to justify cutting his minutes. Now, uh, that leaves Duncan and Struess. Uh, Struess is also a specialist like Duncan. However, uh, Struess never saw a shot that he didn't like. And Duncan has to do a lot of work to get an open shot. While Struess, he's, he, he's firing. If he, if he, like I said, he, he's, never, he's never seen a shot he didn't like. 
And I think that's part of the reason why Spo uh, prefers Struess over Duncan or part of the reason why he's uh, giving more minutes to Struess over Duncan. I think it's because of Struess's lack of hesitation when it comes to shooting the ball. So that's obviously a factor. So that's really the addition of Victor Oladipo. Again, it's, it's really something that is going to throw a whole monkey wrench into this whole equation here with uh, Duncan Robinson. Right. And how about George? Did I know you want to add something? Yeah, uh, just about the Struess hesitation part. I totally agree with that. I feel like Struess is willing to take any shot, no matter how tough it is. Like, I feel like at the end of the game, he took he took a really tough shot. He missed it, but he didn't hesitate. And with Duncan, see, in the last couple of years, I think the league has started to notice how good of a shooter he's become. So uh, you can see it on the court. He's more heavily guarded, which gives him less good looks to shoot the best, like shoot the three. He's missed a lot of wide open ones, but this still doesn't change the fact that he's been a lot more heavily guarded compared to Struess, who is now starting to get more recognized in the league. So uh, I definitely think that Struess gets more uh, open looks compared to Duncan. And, you know, that's, that can deceive a couple of people. Right. I agree. And, you know, before I continue, I'm sure we're all ready to move on or I, I'll take that silence as a yes. But yeah, to basically, you know, uh, sum up, you know, what you guys said, I agree with each and every one of you guys, because, you know, it, I, I'm not going to lie. It is interesting to see Miami not play on B-Rob as much as compared to their playing Struz. Uh, But you know what? Could we see Duncan get traded? I am uh, slightly agreeing with you, Brian, where I do think there is a chance he will most likely get, get traded before his five years in Miami are up. But, you know, while he's here, I definitely am not going to be one of the Heat fans out there that do want to hate on Duncan. So also what you said, Anthony, because I still have a lot of faith in Duncan and we've seen what he's capable of doing here and there this season. So while he's still here, he has all my faith. I have all my faith in him and I'm ready to see what he's capable of doing, assuming that he's still a member of this team moving forward. And it's interesting because trade deadline is like how much days away as this pod is being recorded eight days away. So I, I trust Pat. I trust Andy. I trust everyone in that heat front office regarding what they do with them. Duncan we will see, although quake, I do agree with you. I do think that he won't get traded this um, season. If anything, it'll probably be this upcoming off season. But, you know, Duncan Robinson aside, I now want to talk about this schedule that he had been dealing with as it's been hella tough for Miami. We're on a three-game losing streak. I'm not going to go too much into detail about that. But it just seems like the Heat have had so much on their plate with some of the teams that they've had to face. And knowing what's ahead for the Heat as they still have like four more games to play on the road to close this trip out, like, are you guys concerned about Miami's current schedule? And if so, why or why not? And to start it off, uh, let's see. We'll start off with you, Anthony. All right. So as far as the schedule, I, I pulled up the numbers prior. The Heat have played the three most away games in the entire league, which is obviously a good thing because obviously they've done well to this point. And, you know, theoretically, they have the third most home games left, which is obviously a good sign. Uh, but as far as the schedule, or I really, as far as the, uh, well, starting with the schedule then, I know going back to that San Antonio game that we're playing tomorrow is the one that was obviously originally postponed. 
a lot of Heat fans were happy that it was postponed because obviously we were going to have to end up playing like Eric Holman, like 30 minutes or something, whatever that guy's name is. And people thought that'd be an automatic loss and they wanted to postpone. But the way I looked at it was, man, if you postpone that game, that means you're going to have to force it in later in the season. And that's most likely going to give us a tough back-to-back or four game and five nights, which means we'll probably lose multiple games. And that's exactly what happened. Um, So that's kind of what I was scared of. And it's unfortunate it ended up happening. Uh, but all I was really going to say is as far as the regular season in general, I don't really care too much, you know, as far as wins and losses, because for me, this heat team, I genuinely feel has shown me enough and has the talent and the depth to compete for a championship. That's why as far as wins and losses, I don't get too crazy because especially since they're a veteran team, you know, you look at Lowry, Jimmy, and and even Bam's been to the finals. I, I mean, I guess actually pretty much the entire roster has been to the finals already. So the regular season doesn't mean as much anymore, especially if you look at a team like Memphis. Obviously, they're primarily young guys. They haven't really done much yet. So they put a lot of their effort into, you know, the regular season and they're successful now. But come playoff time, I think that lack of experience is actually going to really hurt them. So the two most important things for the rest of the regular season that I really care about is really just maintaining your position. By that, I mean, if you're top four, I'm chilling. You'd like to at least have, you know, a home a home seat in the first game. And then this really the most important thing is getting healthy, because I think we all agree come playoff time. If this heat team is genuinely healthy and I'm talking like, you know, you can be healthy and then you can be 100 percent. I'd like to see this heat team as close to 100 percent as possible, because I think we all agree if every player on this roster is genuinely healthy, they're going to be a big, big problem to every team in the East and then whoever comes out of the West as well. So that's kind of what the rest of the regular season is about for me. So. Yeah, the schedule's tough. I know they got a lot of home games coming up, but still not going to get too crazy on wins and losses. I like the fact that, well, obviously I hope everything with Lowry is okay, but from a basketball standpoint, it's nice he's able to get a couple weeks rest. Obviously, Jimmy's missing games here and there, which if they were playoff games, he probably would have played. So I like the fact that he's still able to get some rest during the regular season, as well as some other guys in and out, like Tyler's been in and out a couple of times. So I like the fact that they've been able to get rest. And if they can maintain the position going through the rest of the schedule, be healthy come playoff time, then that's all I can ask for, really. Ray, how about you, Quick? The schedule doesn't concern me. Uh, the reason for that is uh, it's part it's just part of the NBA. And to critique the schedule of the Heat would be uh, the same as critiquing the schedule for the rest of the league. And this is the issue of scheduling is something that's, you know, come up various years in the NBA with regards to uh, f- four four games and five night sets and back-to-back sets. Um, it was something that the NBA was trying to scale down previously, but uh, last season they, they, they ramped uh, those things back up. They ramped back the, uh, the four games and five night sets back up. So I think to, to blame the schedule for the Heat's, recent struggles with this three-game losing streak I think is incorrect because uh, again the, the every team in the NBA at some point in their season is going to be faced with an issue of a tough uh, slate of games so this is so this is so this uh, hurting the heat now is, is, is it's not something that's unique to the heat alone right and you Brian yeah well before I begin George did you say hella? Did it sound like something else or no? No, I'm saying that's a that's a Bay Area word. I see people oh. whenever I see people from outside the Bay Area say it, I get confused because like I grew up with people saying it and nobody else said it around. So like, yeah, y'all really stole not. from us. 
I Listen. say that all the time in Miami, man. Yeah, I say that. I'm from Broward, though. I say that all the time, too, yeah. man. So. Yeah, y'all stole that from us, bro. Oh, <laughs> that, that, that was a word it. from the Bay Area in the 80s. Like, all right, man, I'll, I'll credit y'all next time. I'll credit y'all. Yeah, I was going to say, like, shout out to the Bay, man. But as far as this, as far as the schedule goes, uh, I'm not it's, – it's whatever, man. Like Quake said, like, everybody got to deal with the schedule. Like, whether you deal with it now, early in the season, late in the season, the math heads up the same. Everybody has back-to-backs. Everybody has tough stretches. You know, it's everybody plays the same teams. You know, there's only 30 teams in the NBA, so you're one of them. So 29, everybody plays the same 29 teams. So it's it's whatever. I'm not I'm not tripping over the schedule. It's just the timing can be a little bit inconvenient if you're going on a run at a particular time or whatever. But eh, like it's 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 fine. I'm not I'm not one to complain about scheduling. Right. And, you know, before I pass the mic to you, Orchard, I actually agree 100 percent with that, because like the timing for Miami, you know, it wasn't really ideal. I mean, to be on this tough schedule right now that, you know, going through the seven game homestand and, you know, not having Kyle, there is a possibility he could be back soon. We'll see what happens. But, you know, we never thought that we'd enter this um, road trip without him. And, you know, that's very unfortunate. Kyle, by the way, if for some reason you choose to listen to the pod, um, prayers to you, man. Hope everything is going well. But, yeah, you know, I, I just got to say I agree 100% about how timing doesn't always work for us. And then, Orchard, how do you feel? You know, our schedule, I mean, all of these games in the next, like, I don't know, four to five, they're all very winnable games, you know, I, and I think it's pretty obvious by now we can be any team in the league. It's just going to depend on our performance. You know, we can't replicate how we've been playing for the last couple of games in terms of turnovers, a couple of players, you know, not playing at their offensive level that they usually do. And again, and all these teams are playing, I'm not discrediting them at all. You know, they're all really good teams. Their records don't show it, but, I'm not going to list any all, all the teams out, but all of them can definitely beat us and they can beat any teams. They have some very talented players. And and suppose we lose a bunch of these games. I'm not worried because what happened last season is we were so concerned with winning games that I feel like people like Jimmy was were they were he was just so exhausted by the time playoff time came that when we the first round started, he just wasn't himself. And I don't want to see that again. So I feel like a lot of Heat fans are in the moment, like in the present, rather than focusing on the future when it really matters. Sure, we're these losers, whenever we lose it, hurts a lot, and you feel really upset for the next couple of hours. But, you know, it's better to feel that way every time we lose than in the playoffs where then, you know, whole season's gone down the drain. So, yeah, we have a, we have a considerably easy schedule coming up, and then after that we have a tough schedule. But I wouldn't be too worried about winning and losing these games. Right. Oh, and basically to sum up what everyone said, you know, you guys couldn't have said it any better when it comes to the schedule. And especially what you said, Brian, about how, you know, the schedule, the timing can't be right always. And honestly, we know what this team is capable of doing when everyone is at full strength. And that's why, although it's tough, especially seeing how Miami managed to drop to the three seed only after losing three games it is what it is at this point and you know Anthony you mentioned it how as long as we're a top four team you couldn't ask for anything else and I agree with that too so I don't want to waste too much time I now want to talk about the return of Victor Oladipo because it seems like his return has been looming for some time now and we're in the month of February 
And after all this speculation, there seems like it might be a chance that Victor could make his return this month. So after seeing how Miami has played in these first 52 games of the season, how much of an impact do you guys think Victor will have on this Heat team? Uh, kick us off, Brian. Uh, I think he's going to have a – well, okay, I was going to say he's going to have a massive impact, but then I realized he hasn't played basketball in over a year. So I don't know. I don't know. The potential of Victor Oladipo is definitely, definitely an X factor. Um, just on the surface, you're looking at a shot creator, a guy who puts pressure on the rim, um, a guy who knows how to play with bigs. Like I think that Victor is going to be one of the few guys on the Heat that actually can get Bam easy looks. Um, yeah, obviously, you know his defense. You know, if you're thinking about lineups of Kyle, Vic, Jimmy. PJ and Bam, like that is that's that's lockdown. Like not very many teams are gonna have a good time scoring on those five. Like you could take the five best scorers in the world, and even those guys would be like that. That's a tough lineup to deal with. Uh, but it's all theoretical. Like we don't, we have no idea what it's gonna look like. So you know, he could be something close to Vic of old. He could be, you know around what Gabe Vincent is right now. He could be somewhere in the middle. Like, it's it's really hard to project just because we don't know what that surgery has been like. We don't know how his body is going to react to being on, being on the court. There could be some other issue. Like, it's really, really hard to say. I feel like at this point, it's kind of like a mystery box, you know, where basically all possibilities are on the table. Um, at its peak, th- that's, like I said, you're getting an all-star, you know, if, if everything goes right. If not, if Victor Oladipo doesn't work out, then honestly, I think it's fine because you still have a team that, you know, is one of the best teams in the East and should be competing for that, you know, to come out of the East. So either way, I think you're in good shape. Right. How about you, Orchard? You know, I, it's, I, I, I totally agree. You know, we don't know exactly what Victor Oladipo is going to provide for us. You know, I think the hope is that he can provide the offense for us, you know, especially, when we go in periods of time when our offense is going slow, hopefully he can, you know, change that when the rest of the team is struggling to make shots. Uh, and of course, the biggest problem is that we have a very small sample of what he can provide for us because he played only a couple of games with us when he was with the team before his injury. And, you know, you could look, you can look at the past, you can look at the Rockets, but the problem is that the Rockets are a completely different roster and, you know, his shot, his shots might have been different there with how they're going to be here. So I'm a little uncertain. You know, he could totally, it could go either way. He could either, you know, put up solid numbers. He could have poor numbers. He could put up amazing numbers and totally, like, make this team more elite than it already is. So, you know, based on how I've been seeing him play recently, he showed that he can, it's showing that he can at least put up average numbers. And I, that's what I hope, hope he can do at least at the most. And, yeah, I mean, we can just hope for the best right now. Ray, how about you, Quick? Yeah, uh, Vic's impact will be dependent upon how much his athleticism has been sapped from the uh, injury and the uh, surgery. Um, if, if his athleticism isn't, um, too, hasn't declined too far, then the best-case scenario for him is a secondary playmaker uh, alongside Jimmy and Bam, a, uh, a point-of-attack defender, a rim pressure threat, somebody who can get to 
uh, the free throw line, can score at the basket, somebody who can run pick and rolls with Bam, uh, fight through pick and rolls on defense to stay on the uh, ball hand, the opposing ball handler. Um, so he can he can definitely add add a lot to this team as far as it's constructed currently. Um, as far as his numbers are concerned, I'm more concerned about his efficiency than his numbers. Um, I'm not expecting him to come back and average 20 points per game, um, especially on this Heat team where we have like an, an egalitarian offense. Um, expecting him to average 20 is just uh, wishful thinking. If he can average 15 points per game on 44% shooting from the field, 35% from three, I think that I think that would be very good. I think that would be very good uh, coming off the bench. Um, right. Oh, keep going. Oh, yeah, I, I lost. I lost. I, I had another point. I lost it. <laughs> if I oh, if so I get it back, if I get it back, I'll uh, I'll add it. All right, just let me know in the chat. And how about you, Anthony? All right. So on the surface, right, Quake, Brian, Orchard, everything y'all saying is 100% correct. You know, we, we shouldn't set expectations too high. We have no idea what he's going to be like coming back, hasn't played in a year. You know, everything y'all said, 100% correct. But I don't want to go that route. The cocky Heat fan in me wants to say that in close games, Spo throws out a lineup of Larry, Vic, Jimmy, PJ, and Bam. It, the other team should really just quit, right? How do they even step on the court when they see on the, they see, see that lineup? Like, I, I legitimately cannot think of a better defensive lineup that I've seen in the league since I've started watching basketball. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm talking, assuming we won't get 100% Vic, which most likely is not going to happen, but just theoretically and fantasy and have some fun. What he could provide to this team, I mean, we look at like Tyler for scoring, right? Vic is going to provide scoring in a, in a different way, but still provide scoring. But and the defense, he won't have that defensive liability, which is Tyler's biggest weakness right now. He would be the absolute perfect fit for this team. And man, if we could get 80% of Prime Oladipo, and I think that's a lot to ask for, at least this year, because he hasn't played in a year. But if they could get 80% of Prime Oladipo, Sorry about that, guys. So it seems like Anthony got disconnected. But I know, uh, Orchard, you had something you wanted to add? Yeah, I just want to quickly add that uh, I'm not really expecting him to really start to show what he can provide for this team until maybe, I want to say, towards the end of the season, to be honest with you. You know, I, I feel like people are going to have a lot of expectations that, you know, within a month, he's going to already start go get going and show what he can provide for this team. But I I, I'm, I want to go, I think it's going to be a little more longer than that because we got to remember that this guy's been out for a full year. I mean, it's tough. You know, I feel like people like Clay Thompson, he's, I mean, he's already starting to look like he's going to play solid, but I don't think he's at his best right now. And so I feel like people like Oladipo, it's going to take a little, it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get back into his rhythm. So I wouldn't expect to see uh, him put up what he's going to put up maybe in the playoffs per se until towards the end of the season. Right. And then, uh, Anthony, I see you came back. So do you want to finish your thought real quick? Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, I mean, not nah, that was it because I could go on all day in fantasy land dreaming of a prime Oladipo on this team, but I mean, it's pretty clear what his impact does. And just, if he can bring that offense and defense, 
it's going to be really hard for other teams to match up against us. Right. And then Quake, I know you finally managed to figure out what you were going to say. Yeah, my point was that the depth on this Heat team is such that Oladipo is more a luxury than he is a necessity. So if he's great for us, then that only that only raises the ceiling of this team. Because as I mentioned before, he, he, he adds a lot on both ends of the floor. Now, if he is not good uh, as a result of the injury he suffered, then it, it doesn't take much to uh, cut him out of the rotation, considering, again, the, the depth that the Heat have at the guard spot. Right. And you know what? I feel like a lot of people have been downing on Victor. And, you know, the whole thing with him is crazy to think about because to those who didn't know, um, his surgeon said after they performed the operation that when he had the first surgery, the surgeon didn't do a good job and he was his leg was still acting up. So the fact that he was able to average 20 points last season, play great defense and throw down some ferocious dunks, like doing all of that on a messed up leg is insane. So the fact that we're going to see Victor, you know, simply play basketball with this body feeling 100 percent, like it makes you wonder what more we could see from him. And, you know, Jonathan Glasshow, the surgeon who performed the operation, I mean, he's considered to be like one of the best um, sports surgeons in the world right now. Like, I remember, I think I saw a tweet. Now, it is from Skip Bayless, so, you know, say whatever y'all want about the dude. But, you know, he put him out there as one of the best surgeons. Apparently, he came up with an effective way for athletes to get an ACL surgery and come back quicker than usual. So, um, Dr. Jonathan Glasshow, if for some reason you choose to listen to this pod, you know, we praying that you can do a miracle right now. We could see a really good Victor Oladipo when he returns. So you to go if that ends up being the case. Anyways, so now that we addressed that, before we close this pod out, we got to talk about this upcoming game for the Heat against the Spurs. So the Spurs aren't really that good. They are 19 and 33 right now. They do got DeJounte Murray and a few other good players. Miami should win this game, but at the same time, you never know because it's the Heat. So all of that aside, what's your predictions for Miami for this next game for the Heat? Uh, you can start us off this time, Orchard. Hey, I think we can win this game. Uh, it's definitely a real, I mean, the Spurs are not considered to be a very good team. They're 12th in the Western Conference right now. But as you were saying, they have some very good players. DeJounte Murray, that guy might be an all-star this year. I mean, he's been he's been blowing my mind this season uh, for all the Spurs games I've watched. And, you know, they have other players like Derek White, too. So, you know, I feel like the biggest thing here is to not turn the ball over. we got to shoot the three better. Um, and, you know, here's the biggest thing. I've noticed in the last two games for the Spurs, they scored 16 points against the Warriors, and they scored 19 points in the fourth quarter against the Suns. So it seems to me that, uh, the biggest area that we need to work on is scoring really high in the fourth quarter because that seems to be where the Spurs are struggling. And even in general, I've noticed the Spurs, despite the amount of games they've lost, they're able to, they're able to stay in close in terms of scores against very competitive teams. I mean, like throughout the first three quarters, it's still a close game. It's in the fourth quarter where they struggle. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's still a close game to, uh, at the end of the third quarter. 
And yeah, the fourth quarter, I think, is going to be the biggest part for us. And it's obviously been something we've been struggling with. We haven't been able to close out games. And this is definitely a game where we need to step it up in the fourth. Right. And you, Anthony? Man, the Spurs had one guy who scared me. That was Patty Mills. He ain't there no more. I ain't worried about it. Heat by 20. I do want to shout out Lonnie Walker, though, my boy from Miami. He's having a really great year. And I mean, I'm just a fan of him because he went to UM. Uh, but other than that, I ain't worried. And if they lose, this whatever, man. It's one game. They'll be straight come playoffs. All right. And by the way, I love the um, support for you. Um, let's go, Canes. And then how about yes, you, Quake? Yeah, the Heat should win this game. Um, I think they'll win it in the second half. The Spurs are a very competitive team. Uh, they play very hard, and they're obviously very well coached by Greg Popovich. But they are offensively challenged. Uh, their leading score averages uh, 19.6 points per game. Uh, DeJounte Murray, so they don't have really any elite offensive options. So in the second half, I'm expecting the Heat to pull away and to take this game uh, rather convincingly. Right. And you, Brian? Yeah, I feel the same. I think this should be a pretty easy Heat win. Um if they lose this game, then I think there's there's some questions to be asked because the Spurs aren't all that good. Uh, but on the same token, I mean, they just they did just come off of a back to back and a triple overtime game, so uh, there there could be some fatigue that we might see. But either way, I still feel like it's going to be a bounce back game for the Heat. So easy dub, right? And for me, I think the Heat will win. Um, I feel like. With everything that's happened with this losing streak, it's only going to make Miami want this game even more. And it's probably going to be a bit of a revenge game, I guess you could say, where they'll just take their anger out on the Spurs, hopefully. So I do have the Heat winning this as well. And hopefully by the time we record this next pod, we'll have a winning record. Like last pod we recorded, ever since that, we've been one in three. So let's hope for the best come next Wednesday when we record again. Anyways. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Uh, If you want more content, go ahead and follow our Twitter and Instagram at HBTW Podcast while checking out our website at HBTWpodcast.wordpress.com. And last but not least, make sure to check out Culture Shock, the Heat vs. the World's newest extension show, which is the first Miami Heat pod to feature an all-women cast as they'll be dropping a new episode very soon. Once again, thanks for tuning in to today's episode, and we'll see you guys soon. We out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.